Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com and find them at FDIC at booth 2540. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Since 1972, Braun Industries has been a custom ambulance manufacturer focused on safety, quality, and innovation. Each Braun module is unique well beyond the chassis it's built on. With six ambulance models, limitless features, and all customizable options, let Braun assist you in designing the perfect custom ambulance to suit your needs. Learn more at www.brawnambulances.com. Welcome to the Women in Fire Fire Engineering Podcast. I'm Lisa Baker. I'm the Southwest trustee, and I have, my co-host today is Rachel, who is the vice president of Women in Fire. Thanks for being here, Rachel. So the Women in Fire conference is going to be held in Indianapolis on April 24th with a networking event taking place on April 23rd. The conference will actually begin on Monday, April 24th at 8 a.m. with keynote speaker Mira Leonen who is a senior officer for the state administration, state agency in Southern Finland, and is in charge of supervising eight fire departments. After the opening ceremonies, classroom sessions will begin at 9.15 with a lineup of educational classes that provide training, support, advocacy for women in the fire service. Today, I'm very honored to have some of the, the amazing speakers on the show to discuss their classes that they will be teaching. Our first guest is Sarah Janke, who's the director and senior scientist of NDRI. Her class is called Science to the Station, Translating Science to Usable Outcomes. Welcome, Sarah, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Although after hearing you say my um, title, I feel like I should have made it sound a little bit more exciting (laughs) and evidence-based practice. (laughs) But... um, that's that's what it's going to be on. So I and it it sounds as nerdy as it's going to get, but more interesting actually in the room. Um, get, and the plan is to talk about some of the like we've done a great uh, a, a great body of research on the in the last decade. Like eighty percent of research on firefighter health has been done in the last ten years. So we're going to start talking about how do we take those lessons and those results and implement them in the firehouse. So some of them, like for example, and, and actually with the support of women in fire, we've done a lot of research specifically on women in the fire service. And so um, we, we know now that women, career women are uh, career firefighters are twice as likely to experience a miscarriage as non-firefighters. 
we know that volunteer women firefighters, when I say women firefighters, that was a dumb statement because of course men aren't pregnant, but <laughs> pregnant firefighters in the volunteer service are even 46% higher um, risk of miscarriage than career. So what does that mean? Like um, great scary data. We've got some um, similar data on preterm preterm labor. What does that mean? What should that mean to a firefighter who's riding on engine two, um, who's pregnant? And and what policies should there be? What um, what practices should there be? What information does that pregnant firefighter need to take to her department? What information should she be taking to her um, to her OBGYN? So some things like that, and then just some general like we know a lot about now what the lack of an inclusive environment um, means, how that increases risk for for behavioral health, poor behavioral health outcomes, increases risk for injury and those types of things. So how can we take, make evidence-based decisions at the firehouse in terms of policy and practice? Um, And even just at the individual level, how, if you know that being in the fire service ages your um, reproductive health faster, what are, what choices are you going to make? A lot of women wait to have babies when they're in the fire service. Maybe that's not the best choice. We've got some interesting data coming out on sperm and, um, and maybe there, it does look like there's some um, poor child health outcomes related to being a male in the fire service. So what, what kind of information do we have and how can we make it usable for firefighters? So I promise it's going to be more fun than the title sounds. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be a good time. We'll have some good discussion. Actually, her class will be at 11 o'clock on Monday. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and tell us about your class that you will be teaching. And we're honored to have you at the Women in Fire Leadership Conference. It's going to be fun. Thank you. So next we have Nicole. Nicole, I'm going to Duravac. That's That's actually pretty good. It's it's Duravac. Thanks, Lisa. She's an assistant chief in San Francisco Fire, and she's going to be t- um, teaching tailboard takeaways, the trifecta of fires fought by the San Francisco Fire Department. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. We're really glad to have you here today. Likewise. Thank you. So can you just give us a brief um, synopsis of what your class is and what um, the attendees could take away from your class and why it should be a class that they'd want to attend? Absolutely, Lisa. First and foremost, thank you for having me on your podcast. This is really exciting to be around all these very, very strong women. And I feel the force already. So um, I'm honored to be here and to humbly talk about my class. This is the third occasion that I've been selected to give this particular class called Tailboard Takeaways. That's why I call it Take Three, the trifecta of fire spot in the San Francisco Fire Department. And the Really, the nexus of this class came about when I was a young firefighter and I would have really good experiences talking about fires after the fires. And I had really bad experiences talking about fires after fires. And the good experiences were always about empowering us despite making mistakes, really learning from the positive outcomes and the negative outcomes And I remember chiefs who would have these tailboard meetings after the fires and just really talk about what went well and what left a little bit to be desired versus the bad experiences. It was all about just really annihilating the individual that might have not done very well at at a fire or made some decisions that could have been made differently. 
And um, you just felt two entirely different feelings. One, you felt like, hey, I'm going to do better next time. Or, hey, that was really good. Everyone got really vulnerable and talked about what they um, could have done differently. Whereas the other end of the spectrum, everyone just walked away feeling bad. And um, I really wanted to make a point in these classes to uh, embody that type of positive experience, no matter what outcome you have at a fire. And Tailboard Takeaways, as a result, is a list of all the fires that I've gone to in the past year in the San Francisco Fire Department. And I've been really blessed to be the incident commander at a lot of these fires. And I was able to see everything from water supply to fire attack, to ventilation, to search, the things that could have gone better. And as professionals, I would like to think that even though we may win, in other words, we get the fire knocked, we go home, we shower, we you know eat our meal and, and high five each other. Um, there are things that we know that we could have done differently. Like, you know, I remember as a kid playing basketball, we, we could have won the game, but I remember lying in bed thinking, man, I still should have made my free, uh, free throw or I still should have made that layup. So that's what Tailboard Takeaways is about. It's uh, positive, it's welcoming, and uh, most of all, it's safe. And um, and it's an arena where folks can bring back a nugget or two in their uh, own department and um, and not make the same mistakes that we had. Now, I just have one quick question, Nicole, about um, about your class and just how you talked about how you do after action reviews um, of all the fires you've been to in San Francisco. Do you find that people are more open now to share what went right and what went wrong? More, I guess, what went wrong, because I know in the past people didn't want to admit there was any mistakes at a fire. So, do yeah, you, you know. Lisa, it's um, it really depends on the person kind of orchestrating the after action sort of setting. You know, um, there are still a lot of young people and older people who are not willing to share at all. I mean, no one wants to share their mistakes. But I do find in having done this so many times that there is a skill set where the person conducting the tailboard briefing um, needs to really just drive home to these members. And that is, hey, you know, uh, we're going to create that safe environment. And I want really folks to talk about what they felt went well and what they felt did not go well. And then, of course, you know, there are people who will say, you know what, I feel pretty safe. I'm going to dump on myself, you know, over at that hydrant over there, a block away. This is what I could have done. And and that's something that's valuable because had he not shared that with us, we wouldn't have known about it. I certainly wouldn't have known about it at the command post. Um, so it really depends on the the tone and the tenor set by the person uh, conducting the tailboard briefing. And also what I've learned is people, there are people out there who, when you ask them, hey, what about you? They'll say, oh, yeah, everything went great. I did great. And, you know, they didn't. So, you know, there's a fine line to, well, what about this, John or Joan? What about that? You know, so you kind of want to gently remind them about uh, some of the things that you saw uh, without, again, you know, um, making them feel bad. And then also another skill set I learned is there might be that veteran sort of lurking in the background, not really saying anything, kind of looking down on the ground. And you know that guy or gal has so much to offer. So I make it a point to say, hey, Bill, is there anything you'd like to add? Or hey, um, uh, whatever, Sarah, is there anything that you'd like to add? And nine times out of 10, you'd be amazed. They just light up and they say, you know what? There is something. I noticed something on the third floor when we were leading that line and and somebody didn't chalk that door and that door almost acted like a hose clamp. You know, little things like that 
that um, is really invaluable. And sometimes they'll bring an experience from a previous fire that they went to that could really just cement and and highlight some of the takeaways of the fire that we're talking about. So uh, it really depends on the person conducting it. Thanks. I appreciate that. And Nicole's class will be at 2 p.m. on Monday, the 24th. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. I think I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join us today. Thank you, Lisa. So next we have Clark Frank, who's a retired chief of protection for Cal Fire, and her class is Makes Mistakes and Other Advice on Maximizing Your Your Fire Career. Hi. Um Thanks for thanks for doing this. And I'm already super impressed with the other classes. And it's it's really cool that I'm following Nicole because yeah, my class, Make Mistakes and Other Advice on How to Grow Your Fire Career. Um it's it is kind of the call to action at the end of the class is going to be to create an environment where your people feel like it's okay to test their edges in 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 low stakes environments. And we can also talk about organizationally um, how you can use this idea of using mistakes and pushing the envelope and aiming for mistakes. It's it's kind of beyond the everyone's into the the Jocko. Um, ownership stuff in the fire service, but this is this is like not just owning your mistake. It's like find your edge. And I'll back up a little bit. I got this idea for the class because I was I was thinking about what I had to offer. I've been retired since 2015, and I looked back on my career, and you you have this benefit of 2020 hindsight, not just on a you know, one incident, but it's on all the incidents, right? Everything. And you say, what could I have done differently? And so my mind does go to many of the mistakes I made. And I look at those mistakes with the lens of hindsight and they benefited my career um, because I learned from them. There's, there's the old Mark Twain quote that is uh, experience uh, experience comes from, from bad judgment. And there's lots of different iterations of that quote, but uh, it's so true. And what we have now and kind of the purpose of the class is what I see is, um, and, and it was in, it was in your question. Um, we have a lot of shrinking violets now. People are very scared of the media. They're very scared. Everyone has a camera. Everyone has a cell phone. Everyone's a witness. And it's not fun making mistakes in front of people. So we have this, this bigger audience. We have the origin of our mistakes um, or our attitude about mistakes from getting in trouble as kids. And in the fire service, we have this paramilitary drill instructor style uh, academy training. And all of it just piles on and it makes people scared to, okay, let's improve our drill time. Let's Im improve the hydrant hookup time. Let's go ahead and take something on, not just um, the tasks and the tactics on the fire ground, but in it, from a management perspective too. Let's, we have HR and lawyers all over us all the time wanting to say, no, stop, that's risky, but our purpose is to serve the citizens. Um, and 
we have a general fear. Like if, if you ask firefighters to raise their hand, how many people will risk their lives to save a life? And all the hands go up. And you say, oh, how many of you have a letter in your file? No hands go up. Really? <laughs> either, either there are letters in the file and they don't want to admit it in other people because of, of this issue that we have, or they haven't pushed their limits enough. And I want to tell this group, you know, it's okay to push your limits. I think Nicole um, hit it on the hit the nail on the head with the, do you have a safe environment and do you have a leader who's willing to back your play? And those, those are important. So yeah, my message is how to be that leader that helps with the cultural change that helps people feel okay, pushing, pushing their limits, making mistakes on the training ground. Um, and also being okay with like, yeah, this is what it's like to fail. I'm going to push my limits. I'm going to fail and I'm going to be okay with it. And next time I'm going to be better at that task. So we're going to do a lot of that. We'll do some case study review on um, like instances where mistakes, mistakes were made, <laughs> passive voice. And um, how did that turn out? And did it really advance um, our, the person's experience and understanding and make them more capable? And nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. And we'll look at some, bigger stuff, I actually want to talk a little bit about the Granite Mountain hotshot incident because um, that's still, you know, a mystery in the fire world to a certain extent. So that's pretty much what the class is. The takeaways will be, um, you know, that, that, that call to action for cultural change and then also learning how to differentiate um, the right environment in which you can push this and also differentiating, okay, I'm not talking about chronic poor performance. That's a different, that's in a different bucket. So um, we'll talk about all those things. I'm super excited to go there. I'm super excited to meet you all. Uh, and I'll just do a quick plug because Bobby, I am like halfway through your book and it's fascinating. And so thank you for writing. Thanks. Um, you guys, you and Nicole kind of both uh, talked about it. It all depends on the leader to make the change kind of and to, to create the environment where people feel comfortable to admit a mistake. So that that your sounds really in, like a good class. And your class is actually at 11 o'clock on Monday as well. So oh, man, I wanted to go to Claire's class. <laughs> you, you teach at... Um, Wait, you teach it too, right, Nicole? Teach it too. Okay, good, good. I'm in. All right, I'm there. Let's go. <laughs> we'll tag team. <laughs> teaches the same time as Sarah. Okay, good. Listen, we have a star-studded lineup. We can't, we yeah. can't accommodate everything. I mean, <laughs> record it, I guess. Yeah, we have some. That's a good idea, Rachel. We should record it. Um, <laughs> next, we have one of our biggest um, supporters of Women in Fire. And Mike, I'm going. I know I'm going to say your name wrong. Um, how do you pronounce your last name? Galliano. Galliano, who's Just a like it's not spelled <laughs> right. I was like looking at it, like, oh, he's a retired uh, Seattle, Washington fire captain, and he teaches a class of art go, no go. And like I mentioned, he's a huge supporter of Women in Fire. He's been at um, a lot of our conferences, teaching classes, and we really appreciate your support and your class. So, Mike, can you just give us a close? Uh, what your class is actually about? Sir, I, I was listening to everybody talk, and I'm wondering if you even need me to. <laughs> all, the, all, all the classes sound so good, nobody's going to my class. So I'll just uh, – <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, first off, I just want you to know I'm honored to be asked. I always am. And what you said in the opening there, for those of you who watch, this is 100 percent true. Um, I am a I am a supporter of the mission and the vision of what's happening here. And I think it's awesome. And I think um, your members across the nation should be energized by what's happening. You should be energized by the level of talent and the the type of uh, man, the wisdom and the training that is happening that maybe 20 years ago wouldn't have. And it's reflected in what I just heard. I mean, classes that I would love to go attend and love to add to my own toolbox. And I just hope it's an inspiration to every one of you that's watching that uh, there's nothing that's not available to you in this great calling of ours. It's available to you. And you just, you gotta, you gotta step up and you gotta fight through all the knuckleheads and all the weird stuff that goes on and people banging into each other. And I hope maybe for some of you that starts at FDIC and it starts at the conference this, this year, figure out a way to come and hang out and, um, uh, I hope you'll come. And if uh, if you would like to come to my class, here's what um, here's what I'll hope to do. Um, it's called The Art of Go, No Go. And it's my attempt to try to make the first 10 to 15 to 20 seconds of you showing up at something that's on fire and making sense of it and getting to your tactics in a in a as clean and concise a way as you can. Um, I have not been to the perfect fire yet. I've run a bunch of fires and I can tell you kind of echoing what Nicole said. Um, I haven't been to the perfect one yet. And um, fortunately I was raised in an environment where we were fairly open about the things that we did wrong and, and tried to help other folks not experience the same mistakes that we had. Um, but here's what is true for every one of you, even for those of you that got, you know, a week or 10 days or six months on the job, there's going to come a time in your fire service career where you're going to be standing in the front yard. Something's going to be on fire and it's your baby. And there's going to be three or four or five or 10 other firefighters looking at you to make a decision. And nobody's coming, man. It's you. <laughs> you got to make decisions. You can't sit there forever. You know, and you know what? Eventually you'll have a tenured, you know, officer like Nicole show up and can make some sense of it. But I want to encourage you that every one of you, you really want to spend some time processing, how do I get to good decisions? And I'm going to walk you through a process that I came up with. Uh, there's nothing sacred about it. It's how my mind works. Um, I want to motivate you either utilizing my process or utilizing some process to start to cut through the clutter and divide the run up and divide the building up and start to get to key things that'll help you get to your tactics. If you just sit there swimming in your juices and going, well, uh, you, you know, the UL study said this, and our tactical class said this, and that class I went to in, in Washington said this, and oh, you know, on the last webcast, man, you're just going to be going in circles, and the whole time that's going on, the fire's not getting better, and, you know, people are choking out in the whole nine yards. I want to encourage you, it's doable. If a dummy like me can do it, I got good confidence that you folks can do it. And I found as I start, I'll tell you, it was my response to the whole idea that you can script the fire ground. And Seattle Fire is kind of going that way. They're, you know, they got command boards for the first in officers and they got a script for a house fire, a script for an apartment's fire. I think there's a script for an outhouse fire. You know, there's a, you know, and you, and you got to designate that script. And here was my problem with that. The fires don't follow a script. <laughs> 
they don't. They there's a basic approach that you can do, and then you've got to really deal with what's right in front of you, and you've got to make decisions based upon the information you have. And then as you get more information, as more stuff comes to you, you can adjust and modify as you go, but you've got to get to some initial basic decisions, and that's the that's the process that I'm going to run through. Um, uh, rescue profile, building profile, and fire profile are the three main things that I'm going to discuss. Um, the reason why I think it's cool is you can start off very basic and you can practice, practice, practice to where it starts to become, you train your mind to where you're starting to see things. And then as you get good at it, as you get more experience, as you get more knowledge, you can start to become more complex in your decision making and it will grow with you throughout the course of your fire service career. Uh, you're going to come away from the Women in Fire Conference. You're going to come away. You just heard it. You're going to come away with some stuff that you didn't know and some experiences that are going to build into your toolbox for the rest of your career. This process is intended to kind of grow with you as you go and to be teachable and trainable along the way. And we're going to watch a whole bunch of fire videos, which when I start to get boring, I just play a fire video, right? And look at that guy. Hey, <laughs> what's happening? Sorry, <laughs> but, uh, Lisa, scary. that, you know what? Funny. I could talk forever, but I no, want to go ahead. You have plenty of time. Go. I want to be Continue. respectful to the other folks. Um, uh, we will. I'll tell you what. Here's here's what I can guarantee you. You will not get. In kind of keeping in line with some of the really cool stuff that I've heard on here, I'll tell you. I despise training environments where people who brought in, made to look stupid, made to look like fools, or put on the spot. You know, in front of fifty or eighty or hundred people. Okay, give your seventeen point size up. Go. You know, um, I'll tell you what, we're going to do a lot of decision making in the class. You're going to be doing it in conjunction with fellow brothers and sisters that are sitting next to you. Um, and my hope is that as you listen to others and as they talk about what they saw, why they saw things, my hope is that you're going to have your mind start to be expanded a little bit. And the other thing that I'll that I'll preach really hard, you can't rely on just your own fires for your toolbox because you're not going to go to enough of them. And I'd be willing to bet you, even our even our members here that are in really rock and roll fire companies and rock and roll fire departments that are going all the time, they will never feel like they've been to enough fires to feel like they can't learn more about fires. So in using the pictures and the videos and the different scenarios, you can actually learn from fires that you have never been to, but you can add it to your mental slide tray. Or my kids told me people now don't know what a slide tray is. You can add to your hard drive or you can add to, you know, your uh, whatever, whatever it is in your mind where you store stuff. Right. Um, that's that's what my hope is. And at the end of it all, here's my here's what I hope. I hope that you're going to find that you can do this and you can be really good at decision making at fires. And that's important because uh, we're, we're going to need you to be we're going to need you to be as good at, as good at it as you possibly can. So. Yeah. So for the two of you that come to my class now, because there's so many good options, I'm going to love hanging out with you. <laughs> your, your class is actually at 345 on Monday. Oh, good. So, yeah. Okay. Um, thanks, Mike. Thanks for sharing that. And once again, we appreciate you being such a huge supporter of Women in Fire. Next, we have Bobby Scopa, who is the Deputy Director of Fire Operations for the U.S. Forest Service in Oregon, Washington, and Alaska, and she'll be teaching a class on leadership. Welcome, Bobby. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Lisa. I have to tell you, listening to everybody talk, 
So I've been retired for four years. Listen to everybody talk. Makes me wish I wasn't retired at all. I mean, you all are just charging me up. And I'm so excited to be a part of this. Uh, and I'm honored to be in your, <laughs> in your midst. So I'm teaching, a, I'm teaching two different classes during the week. And, and the one I'm teaching on Monday um, is, about, is about leadership. But so we've all read dozens and dozens of leadership books. We've all read, and, and as I have, and, and you get something from all of them, you know, and some of them, you know, they've got the seven, you know, the checklist for the seven things. If you do, you'll be successful. Or one of them's got the four. Some's got 15 things. You do these, you'll be successful. Well, over my 45-year career, I found myself mentoring women coming up behind me. And so um, at the time when I was working, especially, you know, uh, especially the majority of my career that I was working, I wasn't thoughtful enough about what to tell these young folks who are coming up. Well, how did you get ahead? They'd say, and I have a story on my podcast and it's, and, and I, and I, cause I used to joke about, I, I got, I got promoted because I found water in the desert one time on a wildland fire. And that was how I got promoted. And, and, and there was some truth to that, but it's, you know, it's like a shorthand answer just to say it's complicated. Um, and so what I'd like to talk about is I'd like to talk about some stories that I've gone through and not, not saying that you and attendants are going to have the same experience, but over the course of two or three or four stories of things that I've gone through, you'll find something and you'll find hopefully some nuggets and they're not just piles, but they're nuggets that you can take with you and apply to yourself. Um, one, of the, one of the things is, you know, um, like what leadership really is. It, and it's, you know, we've, like I said, we've all read the books. Um, but folks who are going to be attending aren't necessarily in leadership positions, but you're still leaders. It doesn't matter if you're a if you're an officer or not, you're still a leader. You're still influencing those around you. And how do you do that? And how does a how does a first year firefighter? I was going to say riding on the tailboard. Sorry. And then I was going to say riding backwards. Okay. Sorry. Again. But um, how how are you a leader? How does that? How how do you really influence those around you? Because you are. You're making a difference. You really are influencing people. Maybe positively. Maybe not. Because if you don't think you're influencing people, um, you still are. Um, and I talk about, you know, again, this is in this mentoring process. Um, how do you how do you get ahead? Well, one of the ways you get ahead is you you got to make life easier on your boss. You know, you can't always be the pain in the ass. Sometimes you have to be. And uh, like uh, Claire said. You, if you don't have a letter in your file, it's like it's like skiing. If you're not falling, you're not getting better. And getting a letter in your file is not a it's not a career ending event. It's just something that you learn from, and you've you've established some limits. 
okay, well, that might have been, I might have pushed it just a little bit too far. But making life easier on your boss sometimes makes him uncomfortable, makes him or her uncomfortable. But you, you, that's important. Um, and then one of the things I talked about is being the go-to person. Um, in my career, I was often the go-to person. And when there was hard work that needed to get done, whether it was a hard assignment, whether that meant whether that meant um, I was working at the fire department, because in my career, I had a, a 12 years at a structure fire department and the rest of my 45 years was in wildland. Um, uh, you, you Sometimes there's hard work that's got to get done. And um, if you step up and, um, and take on that assignment, it helps your career. You might fail, doesn't matter. So one of the things I was listening to uh, in the other presentation so far, um, there's so much that meshes together with my, with my stories because what you're hearing is you're hearing wisdom from everybody. And I, I don't consider myself a purveyor of wisdom. I have good stories that I think can help apply to you. And when you leave the class or the, our discussion, I hate to call it a class, when you leave the discussion, you'll be thinking. And the interesting thing was everybody's going to take away something different. I don't think, I don't think uh, out of a class that there's going to be a lot of overlap because we all have different experiences. My experiences are different. But when you hear a story that I tell, you'll be able to apply it to something that's happened in your life. And, and everybody has got a different set of experiences and that meshes together. So um, I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be fabulous. I want to listen to everybody else's classes as well. Um, and I hope to see you all um, at the FDIC. And your class, Bobby's class will be at 9.15 on Monday morning. You'll Next still be week, at um, Right after our opening ceremonies. So next we have Candice Candy Ash, Ashby, who is a battalion chief from the Indianapolis Fire Department, and she teaches, will be teaching leadership from the bottom up. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like everybody has great classes. Uh, mine, I would say it's it probably comes at people a little differently than what they expect when they walk into the classroom. And it might be because I've uh, been in a fire service a couple of years and also being a grandparent, I, I think that uh, I finally started looking at everybody as my children and grandchildren. And this class came from uh, all my years of being frustrated in a fire service and what's really wrong with it. So I have an hour and 45 minutes to unwind people's minds of what they have been driven to believe uh, what's been pounded into them since they showed up on the street. And that's everything the is the fire chief's fault. Now, that being said, I've always been in the operations division. I've never been in the administration. But I, I start laying out truth bombs and saying, if you want to really know what's, what's killing us in the fire service, you need to take a damn good look in the mirror. Because it's us killing us. When we go into the firehouse, we throw each other under the table. And we stab each other in the back. And we pull that knife out, we stab our brothers and sisters in the back. So I, uh, I come at the leadership perspective a little different uh, in how I do it. Now, 
That being said, I have a doctorate degree in organizational leadership. And when I got the degree, I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with it now? So I was able to use that as a platform. And what I do typically is I go out to different organizations and I do organizational problem solving. So I try to bridge the gap between the administration and the operations, that gap being communications. And I go in and I just tell them from the top all the way to the bottom, I believe everybody needs a swift kick right in the ass and they need to pull their heads out and they need to start acting like they got some sense. So that's kind of how I approach it. And then I just tell them, you know, it obviously, as you guys know, my audience is predominantly men. And I tell them, I say, you guys, I get you. I, I'm with you, you know, most of my life that you guys think women talk. You should see what you guys do. I said, oh, these clicks and clackety backstabbing behind the scenes, bull crap that needs to stop, which is a drama in the firehouse. If we could just stop half the drama, then we would fix our fire departments right there. So, um, and then, I, and I don't, I'm not there to take up for the administration, but I'm there to tell the guys, you know, everybody has ingrained in you that, uh, the, you know, the morale's low, it's fire chief's fault. This isn't being done, it's a fire chief's fault. I'm like, get that crap out of here. Because if you do not like the top, and I hope they all like the top, but if they don't like it, what are they doing to change it? And that's why this is called leadership from the bottom up. I'm saying, you know, it, I think we're all stuck on a hamster wheel going around and around at Groundhog Day. And every once in a while, we spin somebody off, we throw them in the administration, and then we take our slingshots and start throwing rocks at them. And we have got to knock that off um, if we're going to be any better. So my class is about how to show up better today. Then you showed up yesterday. I try to fire everybody up. I try to make it participatory. Um, I lay out um, kind of what I learned in the fire service. Now, I've been in the fire service 37 years and career 33. And I make no bones about it at the beginning that I tell people 33 years is just now getting started. I want another 33 years in the fire service. I couldn't even think about stopping right now. I love my job more today than I've ever loved it. Um, and I want everybody else to be able to walk out with that same type of passion and uncover it and start making the fire service better. And that's my whole drive. Are we going to, you know, if we're going to leave the fire service better than we found it, they quit talking to talk and start walking the walk and making it better. But we have to take a look in the mirror and just say, Hey, we've got to do better. We've got to be better. We got to show up better. We got to quit worrying about throwing rocks at people and who's not doing this and who's not doing that figure out what is in our control and make it happen. So I'll just stop right there, but it is a true um, in your face type of, uh, um, I don't make any bones and I don't sugarcoat anything. I just lay it right out there and let it roll. And people are usually looking like, holy cow, this is not a normal uh, instructor. And I'm like, no, that's why I don't teach instructor because everything in a you're not supposed to do as instructor. I usually do. So that's a little bit of it. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, Candy's or Candace's class will be on Monday at two o'clock. And then next we have Terry Reed, who's a captain of Baltimore County, Maryland Fire Department. And she will be teaching recruiting for all the right reasons. Thank you for joining us, Terry. Good. Hello. Thank you. Um, Lisa, I must say you put me at the end of a lot of heavy hitters. So <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how I'm a man but I'm going to work it out. Um, so recruiting for all the right reasons. 
the biggest thing that we are struggling right now is what recruitment and retention in the fire service. So we all sit back and say, hey, what can we do about this and how can we do, um, how can we adjust this? Um, I could tell you it's it's a challenge across the board. Um, the biggest thing is a lot of people look at our generational differences. Um, the newest one being Gen Alpha, which is born between 2013 and 2025. That's one of our newest ones, but the Generation Zs is 1995 to 2012. So they're looking at, hey, do they value the fire service like we did when we were coming up through the ranks? How do they value the fire service? Um, it's different. It really is different for people. We have to do a needs assessment. Um, they're looking at value. They're not necessarily looking at this as a career. They're looking at this as a job. And somehow it's up to us to change the perspective of um, the thinking to make sure that um, people are valuing um, the fire service. Um, the standards are different. They're more strict. And the Generation Zs, they're, they're looking at like, well, we'll just do something different. So we have to show them a benefit in being part of the fire service. Um, what is it in for them? Um, we also need to make sure we're supporting our communities. Um, the com community expects the department to reflect. Um, we have to do a needs assessment. These are things that is so important for us in the fire service to evaluate. Um, a lot of people, some people have leadership experience, some don't, um, career or volunteer, it doesn't matter. Um, a lot of people say, oh, it's career, volunteer. we're all in the same boat, but there is more volunteer members out here than it is career. So we have to look at that. And we also had to look at data, thanks to Sarah Jenke. She she does a lot of data and a lot of analysis to help assist us in um, the best decision-making process. And some people, you know, they're not really uh, good with like the teamwork uh, aspect. You know, we have to work together. We have to work as a team instead of working individually. And you have to be dedicated. You have to be conscientious. Um, if you don't have the interpersonal skills, it's up to us to instill those in you. But you have to be open and uh, uh, willing to allow us to do that for you. Um, nowadays, we're in a lot of situations that problem solving is high up in our priority list. So we have to make sure that we stay on top of that. What about the initiative? We have to stay on top of the initiative to work solutions. Because right now, if you look, everybody's hiring. Everybody's doing things competitive. A lot of people feel as though in some departments, it, it's a money. Uh, hey, maybe if we get more money, they'll stick on. But you also have to have them something else to uh, grasp to, something for the members to feel like it's worth the while. Um, a lot of us came in to the point that there was thousands of people filling out for the fire department, wanting to be into the fire service, wanting to be a part. And now it's just hundreds. So how do we turn that dynamic around to make it positive? Um, do some um, strategic planning, um, help the department's organization. We have to focus and we have to deliver a master plan to protect the communities in the fire service 
and for us to grow together. So I have um, been motivated and and delivering um, recruiting for all the right reasons. Um, I'm always open to suggestions or advice from anybody, but I do thank everybody that has supported me and um, especially women in fire. They have been an inspiration to me. I would have never imagined at this point in my career that I would be standing out um, presenting the way I am. And, and Lisa, you have been great. You, Lisa has pushed me. Rachel has pushed me. Um, the whole organization has pushed me to be better than I am the day before. And I couldn't thank you all enough for putting me on that platform to deliver recruiting for all the right reasons. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Thanks, Terry. So um, we do have other instructors and in other classes. Oh, and Terry's class will actually be at two o'clock on Monday. And we have um, some other classes. I just want to um, list the, the topic and the instructor. Um, they were unable to make it with us today. We have health and wellness for women in the fire service, who's taught by Amy Hannafin, who was our past president. And she's operations chief in McKinleyville, which is in Oregon. We have must-have policies and practices for every fire department. Um, Bradley Pinsky of Attorney at Law. We have a PIO of social media for organization, or Robert Reardon, who's the chief in Massachusetts. We have a class on why, why you must put the cape back on by a Chief Patrick Kinney from Western Springs, Illinois. Um, then we have Tiffany Wesley, who's also one of our trustees and is a deputy chief in the Arlington County Fire Department. And she's teaching two classes. You promote leading in the 21st century. And then she'll be teaching another class called the imposter syndrome. Will the real you please stand up? And then we have Candace McDonald is a, the deputy CEO for firefighter. It just says CEO. Uh, and she's a volunteer firefighter with Cumberland Valley volunteer fire Fighters Association, your gu your guide to responding to harassment, discrimination, and retaliation, and the emergency services. We have Chief John Alston, who's the fire chief in New Haven, Connecticut, who will be teaching what's on your mind, the incident command mindset. And we have Jada Moorefield, who's the owner of Hudson Clinical Council Consulting, self care, emotional wellness in the fire service. And that, um, so if you actually go to our website, which is womeninfire.org, you'll have, find all the classes listed, the timeframes and such. But um, Rachel, do you want to talk real brief? I mentioned that we have a um, networking event on the Sunday night prior to the 23rd. You want to just briefly talk about the networking event and the benefits of trying um, of our members going to the networking event? Please. I do. I'm going to talk about that. And then just a couple other things, if time permits me to do that. Hopefully you'll be okay with that. Um, so yeah, we have a networking event on Sunday night, um, pre-conference, um, kind of a meet and greet. We look forward to seeing any instructors that are in town for that. Um, it's always a good time for us just to be very um, informal, but but see everybody, meet everybody. Um, a lot of new faces out there. Our board's got a lot of new faces. Um, so we're looking forward to that on Sunday night at the hotel at the JW Marriott. Um, and then... Um, Throughout the conference day, um, we'll be putting a bunch of stuff out about any other um, any other events. If people, we, we like it a lot of times when our members can do a lot of informal things. If there's anybody that you want to chit chat with or you want to make time to, to talk to, whether it's mentorship or just ask some questions, please grab us. Let us know. Um, we should all be there with our with our cards and our info and, and all the things. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And 
and I'm I'm just so I'm so proud of the organization. I'm so proud of all these instructors that are here. Um, I'm excited, and I think the bottom line is is that you know we can all agree that these times are changing, and we're 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 always faced with new things, um, and we can't continue to solve these new things with old problems. And it's funny how at the fire service we just are so reluctant to change. But I think what's what's really kind of a cool thing about our organization is that we we lead right into that. We're the tip of that spear, and and you know for a group of people representing a group of people that historically haven't been involved in the fire service, women in fire is acutely aware that. You know, we need a different mindset. We need to move forward with a different mindset. And, and our members are here and we want to serve and we want to just go serve our communities. And, um, you know, I think focusing on our skills more and drama less, is, as Chief Candy's going to say, I think that's fantastic. You know, fires are trying to kill us more and more every day. UL has spelled that out clearly for us. And so, you know, Chief Mike, he's telling us, you know, get in there and and don't don't swim in your own juices, as you say. Just get there, see, look what you're looking at and, and go take care of it. And and let's talk about firehouse behavior. Let's talk about leadership, because honest, honestly, the women attending these conferences today are going to be the leaders of tomorrow. And we can all remember our conferences back in the day and the people that we've listened to and how we all take little nuggets from each other and we define our leadership and we pave our leadership road, as I like to say. And, um, you know, I think I think Terry's class is fantastic. It's be realistic and honestly put the onus back on the crews. Help recruit what you want to see. If you don't like this next generation, then get in there and help. But don't don't bring your old school problems and your old school fixes to these new these new tech issues. That's not never going to work. We change our tactics and our water supply simply because of the plastics and the things we learned from UL. But we won't change our technology to get the training out to the stations and to do the things and. So we all laugh, but it's these are the problems facing the fire service, and I'm I'm so honored and proud to be part of an organization that can bring folks like you all together, so that we can get better. We can have those tailboard talks, and we can talk about you know for some of you what worked and what didn't. How do we move forward? How do we learn from it? How do we make it better? I think inclusive, mission focused, and in a team mindset, the fire service can't go anywhere but up from here with all of those things. So I'm very proud of our organization. I'm very proud of all of us that are all of you that are speaking that are giving these classes. Um, I'm so thankful you want to be part of this. And obviously with FDIC as well. And we look forward to, if nothing else, I love having a beer with everybody and being the social butterfly. That's kind of my jam. And, and I'm thankful for the radio show. And um, I just look forward so much to FDIC and, and all the things Women in Fire has to come and just thank you all very much for the support. And I just kind of want to piggyback on what Rachel said. Um, as the Southwest trustee, and I know the other trustees feel the same way, um, we're very fortunate to have Rachel as our vice president and Tony Washington as the the new president, um, Adrian Ziad as our second vice president, and Camila as our secretary treasurer. They work very hard in making sure these conferences run smoothly and that we have the best speakers and the most cutting-edge classes and classes that our, actually our membership is interested in. Um, and then once this conference stop, start, stops, they're not actually waiting for FDIC next year. And the leadership conference, they'll be planning for our biannual leader uh, standalone conference that'll be held next year. And actually the date, the location and the date, I believe, is going to be announced at FDIC, Rachel, or at yeah. our leadership conference, our opening ceremonies. Yeah, we're going to announce that at FDIC. I'm not sure exactly when the time that we're going to do that. And and keep an eye on it because we're always um, we have a lot of plans for kind of a roadshow over the course of the next few years to get out. And there's what we learned in our call for papers for the in, for the standalone conferences. There's places that are that would love to have us, and we love that. I love that our mission's gotten out there. I love that departments are seeking us out. We're very humbled and honored for that. And so what we're going to try to do is is go to a lot of places. 
um, and kind of mix things up. It's time for us to even go through a renaissance. And so we're trying over the course of the next few years to just get out and take the show on the road. And um, so if we come to your area, we'd love to reach out to you. Or if you hear us in your area, please reach out to us because we've got a really good group of people like you all instructing. And and we want to make sure we continue to to get that out there in in more of a regional area to our members. The best thing we can do is reach every member um, in a way that makes sense for them. So we're going to keep getting the show on the road. And and I want to thank the um, instructors that were able to make the the Zoom call today and the ones that were unfortunately unable to make it. Our conferences are a success because of the instructors that we have. And we appreciate you putting in. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to come to our conferences and teach the new generation of firefighters, the older generation of firefighters. Everybody can learn something from somebody. So we really appreciate you. Um, Like I mentioned, um, the networking event will be on Sunday and the conference will be on that Monday. And then after our conference and there is FDIC, we are part of FDIC every year in Indianapolis and FDIC will go on until April 29th. We're very fortunate that FDIC allows us to be a part of their conference and, and be um, or have our leadership conference the day before FDIC actually goes, gets underway fully. So we're about out of time. Does anybody have anything they wanted to add about the conference? We have about three, four minutes left. Okay. I do. This is uh, Terry Reed doing um, presenting recruitment for all the right reasons, recruiting for all the right reasons. Um, I can tell you this, this conference is going to be phenomenal. It is one of the times that you're able to just sit back and we, we have some great presenters. We have great support. And I can tell you again, I, I can only reiterate, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for women in fire supporting me and, um, giving me that ability to understand that I can do what I'm doing because you know how you stand up and you kind of have that little fright and you're like oh I'm not sure but you know I do thank everybody I do the presenters they uh, presented their information tonight uh, or this afternoon I feel like that it is phenomenal and I know some people are during my times but it's okay I'll see you in the near future and I thank you all for all you do I greatly appreciate you once again, I just want to thank each of the um, guests that were part of the radio show today. I want to thank Fire Engineering again for allowing us to be part of their radio show series. Thanks to all our listeners and members of Women in Fire. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and you can check out our website at womeninfire.org. And we're really looking forward to seeing all our members at our leadership conference 